0: like to become a sponsor or advertise on 10 minutes of truth podcast contact me sean barksdale you can reach me at 434-446-6633 or shoot me a text or you can reach us at 10minutesoftruth.com and remember we'll always provide a platform for your truth on the 10 minutes of truth podcast what's your truth this is sean barksdale this is 10 minutes of truth
1: forget about what somebody else think about you what do you think about you your past don't define you well, we want to first thank Chief Brian Young for making Lieutenant Red available, and we're trying to just give some information to the community uh, concerning traffic stops and arrests. But before we get to that, let's find out a little bit about who Randy Red is. Randy, talk to us about your law enforcement career, some of your likes, your hobbies, and things like that.
0: Sure. Um, I started here at the police department in July of 1995. I'm currently the patrol lieutenant, um, and like anybody else, I have hobbies like... Outdoor stuff, hunting, fishing, that kind of thing, spending time with my two daughters.
1: Well, 1995, uh, we're probably back in the flip phone uh, era at that point. Actually, we're in the bag phone era. Bag phone. Okay, so let's let's talk about policing. How many officers were on the force back then, and what was the age demographic from what to what? So in
0: 1995, there were about 18 police
1: officers. That
0: includes command staff. The age demographic was fairly varied, anywhere from about 26 or 27 years old uh, upwards to uh, about 50 years old. 50 plus, I think the chief was a little bit older than that at the time.
1: Let's talk technology and vehicles. What is the difference between the 1995 technology and vehicle opposed to today?
0: Uh, Just everything, the lighting, the, the Um, Just like you were talking about cell phones, the cell phone technology has evolved, the radio technology has gotten better, you know, the way we communicate, uh, the the amount of tools and resources that are available now, Uh, you have the MDT's, the mobile data terminals that are in police cars now, so the technology has just been leaps and bounds, just like it has, you know, everywhere else
1: for young folk in Halifax County particularly uh, if they're thinking about a career in law enforcement what would you have to say to them?
0: Uh, Make sure it's something you want it's it's not the easiest uh, it's not the easiest career it can be very rewarding Um, you have to understand there are gonna be a lot of nights uh, weekends and holidays that you're gonna have to work and be away from family and that's that just comes with the territory.
1: That's a great place to to start and, and it's family uh, when an officer puts on his uniform for the day, uh, he has no idea what he's going to encounter. Whether it's going to be a light day or a heavy day, uh, talk about some of the things you think about prior to actually getting on the job.
0: So, you hit a good point. That no two days are ever the same. Uh, you could have very slow days. You could have very busy days. Um, I think the uh, you know I know for me I think about what happened the day before and, and knowing that. You know, this day is not going to be the same, and, and I could just run into anything. It might be dealing with a lot of shoplifters or other crimes in progress, or, you know, how many vehicles I might see that are committing traffic violations. So, uh, you know, and safety is always, you know, a top concern. Everybody thinks about that when they walk out of the door.
1: Now, as an officer, when you go out for the day, uh, you want to come back home absolutely uh, just like everyone else wants to come back home absolutely uh, you're taking a great risk by walking into events and you have no idea what's gonna happen uh... tell me about some of the things that happen in a typical day for a halifax county police officer uh... it's it's
0: so varied uh, again we you you might get calls to various business shoplifters uh... disturbance calls domestic disputes uh... disputes between neighbors uh just you know cases of road rage just it's so varied it's and again it's never the same thing to you know two days in a row um, a lot of the things we deal with now um, are mental health issues and that seems to be a that actually uh, takes up a lot of a, a lot of law enforcement's time in Halifax County uh, especially over the last five or six years it seems to be that it's a really you know a, It's really increased, I guess would be the way to say it. It
1: it sounds as if you have to really have your your, your head screwed on tight when you walk out that door. Uh, You're dealing with emotional uh, situations. How do you uh, deal with someone that is having a bad day uh, and they're presenting themselves in a a really, uh, in a matter that could be detrimental to their health and yours?
0: Well, one of the things we do, uh, and we encourage it, and all of our officers are required to attend uh, what's called CIT training. It's crisis intervention training, and, and the big, uh, the big key to that, or the big takeaway from that, is, is de-escalation, and you know, kind of getting on the level where you know it's not just more like trying to understand what's going on with that person. Um, and and understanding and that you know the CIT is is for mental health issues, but the training uh, it goes into all aspects of law enforcement. You you get a takeaway from that where you know you you get a skill set that that doesn't j- just help you when you're dealing with mental health patients. Um, you can use those skills all across the board in your day-to-day interactions with people that you deal with, uh, your family, uh, friends. It's, so it's, it's really important. And that's why we, uh, we put an emphasis on it. Like I say, all our offices uh, within a year, uh, with the exception of COVID, within a year, uh, we send our officers to CIT training and it just it just gives them a tool bag of of other tools to use uh, you know alternatives sometimes to arrest those kind of things
1: how do you feel when you run into a family member or a friend uh, and you have to pull them over and, and you finally see them and they think oh well I, there, there's Randy I'm good well,
0: luckily I haven't had that happen very often um, it's not you know it's 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 kind of like the uh, uncomfortable conversations you might have to have with a friend who's, you know, having some trouble or uh, going astray for some reason. So it's it's never a you know a comfortable feeling, um, but you just you remember who you are, what you do for a living, and and uh, they need to remember, you know, that's what you do for a living, and you know you're not the one that may have put that person in that situation. So you know, it goes back to personal responsibility.
1: Sure. There are a lot of things going on in in our nation that involve citizens and police officers and we chose at 10 Minutes of Truth to talk about things that are going to help both parties. Uh, There's enough uh, on the internet for people to see if they want to see something uh, that tickles their fancy, Uh, but what we want to do is give people some tools uh, that they can use to make sure that they go home safely and that the officers go home safely. So let's talk about traffic stops, that's going to be one of the first things. when you see a car going by and, and there's something that alerts you uh, that you may need to stop them, um, people think that they're being profiled for any particular reason. Uh, I heard that when you stop someone, oftentimes you have no idea who's, who's in the car.
0: Sure. So um, we'll use speeding for example. You know, if if, if an officer uh, gets you in radar at you know 500, 700 feet away day or night uh, daytime the sun glaring on the windshield you can't tell who that person is you have you know a couple of seconds to make that decision if you're in traffic you have to turn around so by the time you made that decision you've 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 identified that vehicle you know you're going to stop it generally speaking at that time you're going to have no idea who's driving it whether they're male female white black or any other race um you know by the time you get to the point that you can turn around or get to the point that you can see them you know it's you know you're making the traffic stop so you don't I'd say 99% of the time better you have no idea depending on where you're at what the type of stop is if you're sitting if you're sitting at a stop you know watching a stop sign a particular you know problem area that may have trouble with stop sign you may be in a position where you can't see the driver you may be to the side or uh, further to the front of them they have tenant windows so you can't tell you know who you're stopping until you actually stop them
1: It seems like that's a very vulnerable position for an officer. Uh, When you stop someone, you're behind the car, uh, and you don't know whether there's one occupant or four. Uh, You don't know whether they're armed or unarmed. You don't know whether it's a little old lady or or a felon that's fleeing from somewhere. How do you keep your adrenaline down and and what kinds of things are going through your head as you approach the vehicle? So uh, good training is is definitely the key. Um,
0: Not only initial training but ongoing training. Um, becoming you know more the longer you do it the more comfortable you become but you don't become so comfortable that you're complacent. Um, you remember your officer safety skills you practice all of those um, and those are the things you know that will you know keep you safe.
1: When you pull that car over uh, and they're on the side of the road uh, you already have an idea of what you pull them over for let's say it's speeding what happens then?
0: Um, they also approach the driver um, ask them for their driver's license and registration uh, to make sure they have a license uh, to make sure that the tags and everything match up um, and at that point um, you know sometimes officers will say hey I stopped you for speeding or is there any particular reason you're in a hurry um, you know and that's just a, so for me that's a general question because maybe you know their child is sick and they're rushing to the hospital or something you just don't know so you you know just some general questions you want to identify the drivers who they are um, make sure that the tags and everything match on the vehicle and from that point on the driver uh the the officer has the discretion uh whether to issue a summons uh for that violation or whether or not they'll you know give them a warning that's completely the officer's discretion
1: you know you you see on tv where folk don't have a license or don't have a registration, and oh, I left it home, or uh, it's it's in my other pocket or something. Is that usually a red flag?
0: Not always. People actually uh, do forget their wallets. Do for you know, run out of the house early, forget their wallets, and if it's just a matter of they don't have it with them, you know, we obviously can check um, if everything matches up, have their name, their date of birth, or you know, their driver's license number. We can generally you know go from that, make sure we're identifying the right person. Um, and most times, you know, you just get a warning for not having your license with you. It's not always a red flag. Um, but something you know, people do forget. And while it is, you know, the law that you're supposed to have a license with you, uh, we're human. We can make those same mistakes just like anybody else driving. So it's, it's just, a, you know, a mistake that happens sometimes.
1: Now, that's one of the, the, the standard things that happens. Someone pulls right over. Uh, nowadays, people are afraid sometimes. Uh, they don't want to pull over unless it's a a, a well-lit place. Uh, What would you say best practices is for someone uh, if they're getting pulled over and it's nighttime uh, and they're on a dark road and they feel uncomfortable pulling over on that dark road? What should they do? Well,
0: you know, one of the things, probably one of the first things to do probably is to acknowledge that that you know the officers behind you and, and probably the first and foremost thing that's going to do that is that you slow down, that you don't maintain the same speed and that you definitely don't increase your speed but you slow down uh, you might give a signal you know if you're gonna pull it to the right you give a signal um, there are places in you know south boston is is not so bad but there could be places in the county where there would be a very long distance to find a you know well-lit area uh... but the first thing you need to do is is, is acknowledge the officer officer and one of the best ways to do that is by slowing down and they know that at the very least you know you're acknowledging them
1: well that that sounds like a good thing to do so now you've pulled the the gentleman over what happens if he has no license uh, it's expired or it's revoked Uh, talk about the next step sure so
0: let's say they have a a revoked or suspended license Um, we're going to verify that um, once it's verified you know that person will get a summons for that Um, in town it's it's generally a little bit easier a lot of times what we'll do most of our officers, it makes it easy on them makes it quite often easier on us uh, rather than calling the tow truck you know we'll ask them hey is there somebody who can come pick you up if their car's in a legally parked spot that's fine they can just leave it um you know they would have the option it as long as the office is not busy answering other calls they may wait a few minutes see if they've got somebody who can pick them up and sometimes people just decide to leave walking. So, you know, there are options and, you know, we try to, you know, not be overly harsh and, you know, make them incur any other, you know, heartaches other you know, already other than what they've already had to deal with. So, you know, we a lot of times, many times, we will say, Hey, have you got somebody you can call to come pick you up? Or if you got somebody that, you know, can bring somebody that both people are licensed, they can pick you up and they can you know drive your car away so um, there are times you know we do tow the vehicle depending on what they're suspended for it may be uh, if it's you know DUI related the code says you have to you know you have to have it impounded Uh, with the exception of those a lot of times we'll you know try to you know see if they can find
1: a ride or something if if the person being pulled over uh, they think well you know I wasn't speeding Uh, I I was going under the limit uh, but you have radar that says that they weren't. Now it becomes a push-pull. Uh, what kind of questions can they ask uh, before it becomes a pain in the neck? I mean, wh- where does that stop?
0: Well, the probably one of the main things to remember, Ernest, is to not that you're not going to settle that case on the side of the highway. Um, if you disagree with the officer... Um, you know, you can argue back and forth if you want, but that case is not going to be settled on the side of the highway. Um, it's just not. Um, and it's I, I can understand if if somebody thinks they weren't, you know, speeding or they didn't violate the law. They, um, but but the side of the road is is not the place that it's going, you know, to be the final result of it. That's going to uh, be in general district court, and and you can plead your case then. It's just. Um, the only thing you're doing I'll give you an idea my goal is if I stop somebody and it's purely for a traffic offense one that yes they were violating the law but two I know it's an inconvenience for them so my my position is that I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do whether it's a warning or enforcement and I'm gonna do my best to get that person back on their way in the least amount of time uh, to cause the least amount of inconvenience if they're already late for work um, I'm not gonna try to make them Thirty minutes later, I'm going to try to get them out there in five, six, seven minutes. Um, t- you know, because it's already an inconvenience. They they caused the initial inconvenience, but I'm not going
1: to. I'm going to do my best not to add to that. You know, it's refreshing to hear uh, from you, especially here in a small town, uh, that the emphasis isn't on causing them delays. It's it's simply to take care of the business at hand, and that you have compassion and that you're thinking about them so we take our hat off to the South Boston Police well, Department for that well, thank you um, what I would love to know is you, you see on TV people touching the back of a car uh, the, the officers before they get to the car what's that all about
0: so that that's all an, and it's not a secret that's an officer safety thing it, it's a couple of reasons one um, there are people in this world who want to do other people harm luckily it's not rampant but uh, one of those is to make sure that the trunk is closed that there's you know nobody in there or anything like that um the other reason is it it leaves your fingerprints on the car if something were to go bad it connects you with that car if that car is found later um, that's one of the areas that they would look for fingerprints that that connects you with that vehicle
1: for the citizens that are out there that don't know the information that's available to the officer prior uh, to them getting stopped. When they get stopped, what does that license plate tell you?
0: License plate will tell you the make, model, the color uh, in Virginia anyway. Some states are a little different as to the information. It will tell you the registered owner or owners um, and though you know the
1: year of expiration of the
0: tag, of the registration for that vehicle.
1: What are some of the things that you can do as a citizen uh, to make the interaction be as pleasant and as simple as possible?
0: Um, be polite. Be courteous. Uh, we, you know, we demand that our officers be courteous and be polite to people. And we, you know, we would we would love to expect the same thing. Um, again, you may not agree with what's happened, but arguing about it right then and there is not going to change that. Um, we're going to be professional and courteous. And all we ask is that you know you can disagree, but you know we would love if you disagree in a as polite of a manner as possible, for a lack of a better way to say it.
1: And let's uh, let's clear the air and, and dispel some rumors. Uh, there are there quotas for police officers that have to write tickets. There are no quotas. Uh, what ha- what happens when an officer uh, pulls up to a vehicle and you see three four occupants, uh, marijuana smoke billowing out the windows, uh, and you know that this isn't going to be the simple stop. What goes through the officer's mind? Uh, then and, and how do you get help? Because you certainly don't want to be out there by yourself.
0: Sure. Well, you would obviously call for backup. Um, the whole marijuana smoke thing now is a little different, especially with the law changing. Um, but one of the things you would definitely be concerned about is the driver impaired. You know, you know, obviously you can be impaired from marijuana, but you would you would call you know another officer to come. Um, you know, if you have to get the occupants out, stuff like that. Obviously, you need more than one person um, to you know to maintain. You know, and and the fact of the matter is, a lot of the times uh, when you're dealing with you know a situation like that, it's not necessarily a situation of violence or anything like that. A lot of people are just smoking marijuana.
1: Right. So. Right. So you know, a lot. This is a country town. A lot of folk hunt. Uh, a lot of folk own guns. Uh, if you own a gun uh, and it's you know licensed and, and you have a registration for it. When do you tell the police officer that there's a gun in the car? Uh, my advice would be to to let them know right away, and and that
0: does a few things. If somebody you know lets you know that right away, that that sort of lessens the. It gives you an idea that this person, hey, wants to probably do the right thing and just wants to let you know that you know there's a gun in the car. There's not you know. It's always you know it's it's always much better to let them know ahead of time than you know, to find it later on you know, after things have progressed a little bit.
1: And, and the procedure, once they tell you there's a, a gun in the car, uh, in, in, what do you do? Do you say, well, let me see it? Uh, should he reach for it and give it to you? No, what, they, what happens? They shouldn't
0: reach for it. Uh, what I usually do is I, you know, I will tell them, I say, hey, would you mind, let's step out of the car for a second, you know, tell me where the gun is at. There are a few things the officer's going to do then we're going to make sure. Uh, that the gun's not stolen or anything like that, uh, you know, those kind of things. Generally, and that, that's going to pretty much be it. But for everybody's safety, you know, we want to separate that person away from that firearm, you know, long enough to just check everything out.
1: What kind of advice would you give youngsters? You know, right now, young people are pooling, you know, riding together. Gas is expensive. Uh, we're in a COVID environment and people want to catch a ride. If you find as a young person you're in the car and then all of a sudden somebody you know sparks up a joint or you find they've got a gun in the car and you didn't know there was one what do you do as a young person kick
0: them out know who you're riding with uh if you're if that's not your thing you you know you need to this is where I think going back to personal responsibility if it's if it's a scene that you don't want to be in you need to make that known and and you need to you know in my opinion, you need to stand up and say, "You know that's not cool. that's you know, I'm not going to be a part of that." and and you know stand your ground. that's that's the way I feel
1: about it. so educate education starts at home. I would agree with that one hundred percent let them know that you know, identify the bad situation and get out of it as sure, quickly there's as possible. there's
0: a lot of validity to what our parents told us about who you hang around with. there's, there's you know, You didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. Most young people don't believe it. It takes a little, sometimes it takes a little bit of age uh, and maturity to understand that, hey, our parents were
1: were really, they knew what they were talking about. What would you say, you know, if if you could look into the camera at this point, what would you say to a young person uh, that, you know, they got to have the talk, okay? You know, you're going to go out here, you're going to drive a car, you're going to encounter a police officer at some point. Uh, What would you tell that young person on how they should behave and what they should expect? Out of an interaction with a police officer, and how they can make it go well.
0: Just be polite. Uh, you know, be courteous. The officer has no reason to be anything less than professional and courteous uh, to them. Um, just you know, good manners. Uh, I, I don't know of a better way to say it. Just be polite. Um, make sure you have your things in order your driver's license you know your registration you know know where that stuff is at know where your insurance card is those kind of things just and uh, you know realize we're not the enemy if we didn't if we didn't have traffic laws and and you know if they weren't enforced uh, it would be a horrible place to to try to drive and go from point a to point b
1: so it, it sounds like yes sir and no sir goes a long way
0: Absolutely, and even if you don't use the yes sir and no sir, just you know, be respectful. That's, you know, we're not uh, out there, you know, just, you know, looking for people to, you know, it's 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 not a quota like you said. It's just you know, for everybody's safety, you know, traffic
1: laws have to be enforced. Uh, so let's let's go to the 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 darker side of what happens or can happen in a traffic stop. And now someone has done something where they must be arrested. Uh, when an officer says you're under arrest, are you under arrest once the handcuff goes on, or are you under arrest as soon as he says it?
0: As soon as he says you're under arrest, uh, it, when, you know that's that's the the three magic words. You're under arrest. That's that's when it you know comes into
1: play. Uh, we've seen people that struggle with police officers that that want to go home and instead of go being arrested, what's that going to get them? I mean is there any profit in that?
0: Not really, quite often uh, you know the way procedures work in Virginia when you're arrested you go before a magistrate depending upon what it's for the magistrate may release you you know without requiring a bond or anything like that so the only thing it's going to uh, Achieve is to to probably change that. You know, if you're obstructing justice or you're resisting arrest, it's just going to make it worse. Uh, a lot of times, depending on what the what the charge is, it could it could be a thing of where they were going home anyway, but just maybe in an hour after they've been for the magistrate, as opposed to if they struggle and you know make things a lot worse, then they may not be going home in just an hour or so. So.
1: And if you're watching or listening to this, uh, please understand, uh, the police officer wants to go home just like you do. And if you decide to struggle uh, with an officer, he, he's got a gun on his waist, he's got a taser on his hip, uh, and he wants those things to be used for his protection. He uh, doesn't want you grabbing on him and, and using them on him. So you have to understand a police officer has a job to do and you have a responsibility. And if you handle your responsibility in, in a normal way, uh, and abide by the rules, then he can execute his responsibilities and and things can get shaken out in court and not on the side of the road. Yeah, and it goes back to what we
0: talked about earlier. you're not gonna this is not a dispute. you're gonna settle on the side of the highway. It's once uh, uh, the analogy I always use is uh, you know once this process starts, we've got to run it through to the end. Um, that's what I always you know I tell people is like it's it's a process and you know there are no shortcuts so you can't you know take part of the process out it's got to run its course
1: what would you say the the biggest mistakes uh, citizens make in a traffic stop that just makes their situation worse well
0: uh, arguing is is not going to get you anywhere or you know refusing to sign Say I'm not gonna sign the summons um, you know those two things Uh, refusing to sign the summons a lot of people, and and, and officers, officers are trained to tell you, and, and I do it every time, your signature and what I tell them is your sig- signature is not an admission of guilt. Your signature is your promise that you were either appear in court on this day and this time or that you will take care of this beforehand. Um, and it clearly states it on the summons and the officer will tell you that. So a lot of people feel once they sign that they're they're admitting to guilt and that's nothing could be further from the truth it's it's just your promise that you're going to appear to answer that charge or that you will if it's a minor traffic offense, that you'll take care of it beforehand and that is totally that person's choice they can have their day in court or they can choose to prepay it it, you know on the minor traffic offenses
1: now let's talk through an arrest Uh, somebody was shoplifting at a local store uh, it's been proven that they actually did do the shoplifting. They had the item in their pants or in their person. What happens at that point?
0: So you know, the officer that once the officer determines that that person's going to be arrested, you know, you tell them that you're under arrest. Uh, you ask them to turn around, put their hands behind their back. You handcuff them, um, and that's you know, fortunately that that happens in a large percentage of most arrests. They the person's compliant, and you know. You handcuff them and you take them before the, they go from there, you take them before the magistrate. Um, the magistrate has a probable cause hearing, decides whether or not there's probable cause to believe an offense occurred if they believe, you know if there is probable cause, then they issue a warrant for that person and then they do a, a bail or bond determination.
1: You know there are a lot of people that think the police officer determines what happens to them. Um, and they think that the police officers sent them to jail. It's the magistrate that makes the determination. You make the arrest. Sure, so and clear that distinction up.
0: Sure. So, and it's been a number of years, but there were some changes in the uh, in the magistrate system a number of years ago. And they look at certain things. You know what that current offense is. Uh, they want to know uh, if there's a criminal history. That plays a part. And they, for lack of a better way to describe it, because I'm not a magistrate, but they sort of have a checklist to go by. Um, and, you know, if there are certain factors that will determine, you know, if there's a bond or what that bond amount is, things like that. So, yeah. So we, you know, we, we do the arrest. We give the probable cause. Um, the magistrate issues the warrant and, you know, has a bond hearing to determine, you know, based on, you know, X number of factors, is uh, this person require, you know, a Secure bond, a high secure bond, or uh, no bond at all, or can they be released upon their, you know, personal promise to appear? So yeah, that at that point, it's it's a matter of what you did and sometimes what your, your
1: criminal history is. What type of education uh, does an officer have to have uh, if he wants to join the police force? Um, we require a high school education
0: um, or GED um a lot of and, and we encourage uh and we you know we we love to have uh people that have college educations um military background is often uh a very good thing to have because the police department is uh basically considered a paramilitary organizations There's structure there's you know their rules regulations those kind of things so uh, prior military is often helpful to having someone adapt to those things because going back to what we said about nights weekends and holidays those people that have been in the military they they know that that's part of the military life and it's very much part of law enforcement life so those are definitely good things to have now the college and the, the military are not required um, again going back GED and high school uh, diploma
1: are all that's actually required and we're going to shift gears a bit. Let's talk about the force now. Um, how many officers do we have on there now, and and what are their ages, uh, differences?
0: So, well, right now we're allotted for thirty. We're we're short-handed. Um, the exact number I believe is twenty-four total. Uh, I I could be off one or two on that, but I think the exact number is 24. The age demographic we just hired a young gentleman who's 20 years old, who will be 21 by the time he graduates the academy. We have a couple that are finishing up now that are, I believe, 21 or 22 years old. Um, we have officers in their mid 20s, some in their 30s, um, 40s. Me, I'm in my 50s. Uh, and uh, I think the oldest we have is about 53 or 54 years old
1: and if you're a person in South Boston and you want to be a police officer what's the procedure
0: well we have uh, right now we have an open open application process um, you can go onto the town's website um, you can pull up the application you turn in the application um, it's reviewed once we get them in um, this August or September is when we're going to actually start the process it's an open application time right now, but the, the process will start somewhere around August or
1: September. What are some of the biggest challenges that the police department faces right now?
0: Um, I, they're varied. One, uh, a big one, and and this isn't just here, um, a big one is shortage of people, shortage of personnel. Um, there's also the challenge, and we, we are very much in touch with our community. We don't well while we don't see this challenge very often, the perception of uh, the police and 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 the community and it's us versus them. Now, again, we're very lucky. Um, We have I feel like we have a really good relationship with the vast majority of our community. Um, We you know, we work together well Now COVID has uh, changed a lot of things in the last year, but we we are very big and have been very big in community events uh, where we get out and we're, where we just interact with the public. We we get to meet people. We get to see people we might not uh, normally see because, let's face it, nobody calls the police to say, hey, could you send some cops over? I'm having a great day. <laughs> I just love to say, you know, hey, thank you. So those events, you know, that, w- that we were having and we will eventually get back into are, are great ways for us to get it, you know in touch with our community we are you know the thing we are as much and this is where it, it sort of loses I think uh, people don't understand this we're as much the community as the people who live here um, we have to be um, there's there's no us versus them we are one community and we really believe in that and,
1: and we strive for that I know that uh, at some point in time, and I don't know if it's still going on, there were resource officers in some of the schools. Uh, what benefits does that have uh, for the community and what benefits does it have for the officers?
0: Well, we live in, obviously we live in different times than when you and I went to school. Uh, you like me probably never saw a police officer in school. No. no I didn't. Um, so you know, that's part of the reason for having them. But it's also a positive thing. Uh, Students get that opportunity at a younger age, people get, you know, at a younger age, they get to meet police officers and they get to interact with them on a non-confrontational you know, confrontational level just on every day. So they get to, in my opinion, it's a, it's a great tool that they they get to know what police officers are like and, and, you know, how to deal and talk, you know, with them and how it goes back and forth both ways.
1: You know, in the past there was something called the Explorers Club when, when kids wanted Explorers to learn. Based. Excuse me? Explore, yeah, Explorer's Post or Post. Explorer's Program. Yes. Is that still going on? We don't have one currently, no. If if young people want to find out more firsthand about the police department, what can they do? Come by the office, 640 Hamilton Boulevard. Just have a chat.
0: We have an open door. Yep, I, I meet with people, uh, not necessarily youth, but um, I'll meet with anybody anytime that, you know, as long as I'm available, uh, answer any questions they have. Uh, Show them what goes on at the police department. Give them a tour. Um, introduce them to people there. Be glad to do it. Again, it's, it's, we're one community, and, and that's what we really want to you know, make people understand.
1: Well, i tell you, we've got some valuable information. Uh, we wanted to let folk know that the South Boston Police Department is here to protect and serve uh, and get some information out there that might help them. Uh, we really appreciate Chief Brian Young. Uh, giving you the opportunity to come here and do this uh, and us getting the benefit of 30 plus years 26 26, 26, <laughs> 26 years, years of service uh, what would you leave uh, the viewing and listening audience with uh, about South Boston policing uh, and the changes that are happening now
0: I would I would actually uh, have to uh, go back to what i had said earlier the biggest thing I would I would want people to understand is that we are part of the community uh, we you know if there are problems come see us we we the community. what happens in the community affects us so you know it's our home too so uh, that's what I really really would like to stress to people is we have an open door policy people can come by anytime but we are as big a part of the community uh, as they are we're one community so that would be my biggest
1: thing Well, we we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your day for this. We understand retirement is in your near future. Very close. Uh, Are you going to miss it? Some parts
0: of it I will. Some parts of it I will. The 3 a.m. phone calls, probably not.
1: (laughs) Any golf in your future? Fishing? What's going to happen?
0: No golf, hunting, fishing, uh, working on my house, things that I have let
1: slide from being busy. So, you know, home projects, that kind of thing. All right. We're going to close with uh, uh, putting you on the spot. Tell me one of the most rewarding interactions you've had uh, throughout your your police officer career.
0: You are going to put me on the spot. Um, I don't know that I can name one. I can can sort of generalize it, and it'll be semi-specific. Sure. Um, A lot of the times, working patrol uh, day or night, um, we would hear rescue calls, and we've had the opportunity uh, to get there first uh, to, to help save someone's life or you know wow. help somebody in crisis. Um, just simply because you know we're the only ones awake at, at three in the morning. So there've been a, I've been lucky. There've been a few of those, and and those are probably some of the most rewarding um, you know memories I have. and, and, and in general. There are a lot of instances where police officers, and I've been lucky, too, that just in general help people um, in whatever situation they're in and being able to you know make just a little bit of difference. So that's been very rewarding.
1: Well, that, that's great. Uh, Randy, Lieutenant Randy Redd, uh, 10 Minutes of Truth and Sean Boxdale thanks you for taking the time to do this uh, and wish you great success uh, in your future endeavors. And we want to thank the church uh, for allowing us to use this facility uh, while the police department is being renovated. Uh, So that's showing community already. Uh, So we really appreciate that, and thank you very much. Thank you, I'm glad to
0: be here to do it. This is Sean Barksdale, and this is 10 Minutes of Truth.
1: Forget about what somebody else think about you. What do you think about you? Your past don't define you.